And Holy Spirit, we invite you here right now. God, what a unique year and what a unique season. This is probably a Thanksgiving unlike any we've experienced before in our lives. But we know that you're still here in the midst of it. And so we welcome you here today, God. Would you open our eyes? Would you open our hearts to hear what you're saying to us right now? We love you and we give thanks for who you are. We give thanks for what you're doing. Would you give us eyes to see? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it's Thanksgiving. And this is typically the time, this is typically the Sunday when pastors preach on the importance of gratitude and counting all our blessings. But for some reason this year, I'm tapping into Enneagram type fourness and I'm just longing to do something different and unique. And it's because this year is different. This year is unprecedented. We've never experienced a year quite like this. We've never experienced a Thanksgiving quite like this. And while it's powerful to think of all the things that we can be thankful for, my question is, what do we do with everything else? I mean, I can be thankful for my health, but what do I do with my concern for the health of my family members? I'm thankful for my job, but what do I do with my anxiety about the rise in COVID cases here in the Bay Area? I'm thankful for my community, but what do I do with my frustration with the political state of our country? What do we do with all that other stuff, the prayers God hasn't answered yet, the breakthroughs that haven't come, the promises he hasn't fulfilled? Today, I want us to look at a Hebrew word, and this is a word that we're going to focus on for today. And the word is this, it's todah. A todah is one of the many Hebrew words for praise. Um, praise can be translated in so many different ways in Hebrew. There's many different words for it. But today, I want us to focus on todah, which is one of the Hebrew words for praise. And this word for praise specifically emphasizes the act of giving thanks. But it's not just an ordinary act of giving thanks. Todah more specifically, means giving thanks. It means thanking God before the fact. It means thanking God before he's moved. It means thanking God before he's done anything. It means thanking God before he's answered the prayer. Rick Warren, he wrote, If I wait to thank God until he answers my prayer, that's gratitude. But if I thank God in advance... Before he answers my prayer, that's faith. In Psalm 116, 17, we see this use of the word todah. The psalmist writes, I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. Todah is a sacrifice of thanksgiving. I think most of us have offered thanksgiving to God as a response. But how many of us have ever offered thanksgiving as a sacrifice. You know, thanksgiving as a response is like, God, God, he helped me land that job. And so I respond in thanksgiving. God mended broken family relationships. And so I praise him as a response. God guided me through emotional healing. And so I say, thank you as my response. But todah is something different. It's thanking God before you know if you got the promotion or not. It's thanking God, even when there's family tension that has yet to be mended. It's thanking God before the victory, before the breakthrough, before the answer. It's a sacrifice of thanksgiving. 
And when you offer up a sacrifice, you lay something at the altar and you put it to death. Todah is bringing your worries. It's bringing your fears. It's bringing your unanswered prayers, your unforeseen breakthroughs and laying it before God. It's saying, I'm not seeing you move. I don't see the breakthrough. I don't see the promise being fulfilled, but I thank you regardless because I know that you are faithful. I know that you are good and I know that you are for me. It's thanking God for the breakthrough, even though it hasn't even come yet. It's thanking God for him moving, even though nothing around you has changed. It's faith and confidence that he will not leave you nor forsake you, but he will continue to be faithful. Todah. Now, Todah is special because it's an offering of worship that we can only give to God on this side of life. It's a form of praise and thanksgiving that can only happen in this lifetime because when we finally see him face to face, Todah will no longer be necessary. There will be no more worry. There will be no more sadness. There will be no more pain, no more delay. But on this side of life, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our battles, in the midst of our waiting, what a special offering that we get to bring before God. God, I thank you before the fact. You haven't moved yet, but I thank you because you will. You haven't come through yet, but I thank you because I know you will. You are faithful. And so I can offer up my Todah. Today, I want to look at an Old Testament story. I want us to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And I think this is a beautiful illustration of the power of Todah, the power of giving praise and giving thanksgiving before God has even moved, before God procured the victory. It's giving thanks before the fact. And so I want to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we're going to start right at verse 1. And this is what it says. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Maonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hezazan Tamar, that is En Gedi. Now, Jehoshaphat was one of the very few, very few good kings of Judah. It describes a a few chapters previously, his heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. Now, in this moment, the nations surrounding Judah are teaming up. They're, They're getting together. They're banding together, rallying together to wage war against Judah, against King Jehoshaphat. And their enemies vastly outnumber them. And they're starting to close in. They're starting to move in closer. And so someone comes to King Jehoshaphat and says, listen, the armies, they got together. They're, they're banding up and they're coming to attack us. They're coming to end us. And I'm guessing when I read this story and when you're reading this story, I'm guessing that most of us have experienced at some point in our lives or maybe even right now what Jehoshaphat was feeling. Have you, have you ever felt like you're coming up against something too big for you to handle? Have you ever felt overwhelmed? Have you ever felt scared of the outcome? Have you ever felt unsure how you're going to make it through? This is exactly how King Jehoshaphat, this is how Judah, how all of them were feeling. They're about to be pulverized and wiped off the face of the planet against forces that are too big for them to overcome on their own. If we go to verse 3, Alarmed, 
Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Their first response against all of the forces coming against them, their first response to all of the war that's being waged against their people, seek the Lord. God, what are you saying about this? God, what do you see in this situation? God, what do you want me to do? God, what are you going to do? I don't know about you, but my first response is usually avoid, avoid, avoid. I mean, it's the Enneagram type seven in me. Anytime there's conflict, anytime there's crisis, I just want to avoid it. And so I'll drown myself in Netflix or movies or activity. But here we see their first response was to seek the Lord. Or maybe if it's not avoidance, maybe for you, your usual first response is, I got to handle this. I got to take care of my business. I got to get on this. I got to make something happen. I mean, have you ever tried to handle something by yourself when you know you should have called for help instead and you ended up making things way worse? I remember um, when I was in high school, my parents had given me their car to use during that time. It was a red, bright red Camry. And this was back in the days when you could actually lock yourself out of your car. And so I remember one time I was at youth group and I had just locked my keys in the car. It was nighttime, time to go home. And, you know, my friends were telling me, hey, just call AAA, call, call someone to help you. I was like, does anyone have a clothes hanger? I saw this in a movie once. And so I got a clothes hanger and I'm starting to dig in through the window and what I had seen in the movies and I'm trying to get in. And while I'm doing this, I'm literally scratching this, the sides of my door. The rubber parts are being ripped apart. I finally get inside and I'm trying to reach the unlock button and I'm scratching up all of the carpet. Everything is getting messed up. And finally, I just give up because I couldn't do it and we had to call AAA. The time he gets there, he's like, dude, what did you do to your door? You need to get brand new leather. You need to get brand new cushioning. You got to get brand new rubber part. You scratch the door here. This can't be buffed out. You got to get it replaced. I had made things way worse. Have you ever been in that situation where you try to handle something on your own when you know you should have called for help? Well, Jehoshaphat knew in this moment That if we try to do this on our own, we're not going to make it through. We have to call for help. And so his first response in this time of crisis was to seek the Lord. And my encouragement to you, 99, whatever you're going through, whenever you face the storm, whenever you face the opposition coming your way, whenever you face the forces coming against you, what is your first response? Is it to run away? Is it to try to handle it yourself? Is it to try to win your own battle? Or is it to seek the Lord and inquire of him? If we go on in verse 5, Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God 
Did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. Now, you would think at this point, Jehoshaphat is prayed up. Let's get into Holy Spirit beast mode. Now, let's go do some battle. We already sought the Lord. He's on our side. Let's go take out these fools. But no, he does something else instead. He takes a moment to pause, to gather the people, and he helps the people remember. He reminds the people how God had moved among them in the past. He reminds the people how God had protected and led their ancestors. He remembered how God had led them through the desert and into the promised land that was occupied by giants. But still, they had won the victory. He reminded them. He helped the people remember that God had been faithful to them in the past. Listen, one of the most powerful things you can do in the midst of your battle, in the midst of your crisis is to remember. Remember all the ways God moved in your life. Remember all the ways that God pulled through. Remember all the prayers that God answered and all the promises God fulfilled. Stories of remembrance are the fuel to your faith. And as we remember how God moved in the past, we begin to stir faith for God to move in the here and the now and in the days to come. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to listen to old songs and playlists from past seasons. I don't know, for some reason, last night I was up and I couldn't sleep and I was just listening to um, that song by, uh, I think it's Third Eye Blind or something, Semi-Charm Kind of Life. And I remember for some reason when I was doing an exchange program when I was in middle school and I went to Korea when that song came out and I just started remembering all the good times. But you know, I also remember worship songs and playlists that I create during seasons of songs that were really resonating with me at that time. And some songs trigger memories of how God was moving during that time, what God was saying in that season, how God was moving in my life. You know, a few weeks ago, I was just listening to Hillsong and the song New Wine came up. And I think we shared this story a number of times, but there's something about that song that reminds us of our transition from our last church to the birth of 99. Uh, I think the verse starts in the crushing and the pressing, you are making new wine. And I remember in that season, we felt so crushed and so pressed. We were so sad and we were mourning the, the loss of one thing and the birth of something new. And we just remembered holding on to the fact that, God, you're making new wine. And as I remembered, suddenly I found myself encouraged that whatever crushing or pressing we're experiencing right now, God is just making new wine. And we're going to look back two years from now and say, wow, God, this is what you were doing in that moment. When I listen to that song, Real Thing by Maverick City, for some reason it takes me, it transports me back to last year's summer camp, our retreat. I just remember the feeling of being birthed into a church community, the feeling of that retreat, that feeling of being together as a community and learning how to be a church and God establishing us as a house. I just remember that moment. Remembrance is such a powerful thing. And I love that in this story, Jehoshaphat pauses and he reminds the people of how God had been faithful in the past to stir their faith 
for how God will continue to be faithful in their current circumstance. Listen, some of you, you just need to take a moment to pause and to remember all the God stories in your life. You're, you're, you're trying to clamor for faith and trying to stir up faith when there's nothing. You're running on empty. But as you remember, you'll start to feel that faith rise up. Remembrance. Now, if we go on to verse 14, then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mathaniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. And he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, And all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the paths of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. The battle is not yours. The battle is God's. God's saying, fear not. The battle is mine. Listen, some of you just need to hear this one thing today. The battle is not yours. The battle is mine. The battle is God's. Listen, you can't win this battle on your own. Your strength isn't enough. Your effort isn't enough. You're outnumbered. You're outgunned. You can't win this battle, but God is saying, I can. He is the God who fights for us. I mean, do you have that one friend who's, who's just willing to go to bat for you, who's willing to fight for you, that one person who's willing to take on your battles as their own? You know, one of my good friends, Jason, also known as One, He's a Taekwondo master. He's a martial arts specialist. He's literally a deadly assassin. And one thing I love about my friend one is he is so loyal. When you're in a battle, when you're in a war, when you're coming up against something, he takes on that battle in his war as his own. I remember during graduation week while we were up at UC Davis, we were living together. One of our friends, their parents were in town and they had parked on the street and she had found out that her car her parents' car had been like TP'd and it had been like marked with all the silly streamers and stuff. And, you know, one heard about that. And the, his first instinct is to go into the closet. He grabbed a pair of nunchucks and he just walked outside and he's just spinning his nunchucks trying to find out who did it. I mean, he's the type of guy that will go into battle with you. And God here, he's saying, you're not in this battle alone. This is not your fight. This is not your battle. I'm with you. But not only am I with you, I'm for you. Let me take this battle off of your hands. Let me win it on your behalf. We have a God who fights for us, who says the battle is not yours. It's mine. And some of you today need to hear this. The battle is not yours. You can't win this. And your only hope for victory is to surrender your battle to God, saying, God, I can't see this breakthrough in my life, but I know that you can. God, I can't see this movement in my life, but I know that you will. God, I can't see this prayer being answered by my own hands, but I know that you can do it. The battle is not mine. The battle is yours. And then we get to verse 20. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. 
And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. And after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat anointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Toda. The battle hadn't even begun. The victory hadn't come. There was no breakthrough. There was no natural reason for celebration. Yet they began lifting their songs. They began worshiping and they began giving thanks to God. Thanks before the fact. Thanks before the victory. Thanks before the breakthrough. Toda. Now, the cool thing is those appointed by Jehoshaphat to sing were actually the same singers that David, King David, had appointed to minister to the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. You know, if you don't know, David, he established during his reign, he hired 4,000 full-time musicians and singers to minister to the Lord day and night. And so they would just be stationed. They would have rotations to come before the Ark of the Covenant, and they would just be tasked with singing songs, making music, and ministering to the heart of God. And these are the same singers that generations later, King Jehoshaphat, he, he begins appointing them to begin lifting up a song to begin lifting up a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Isn't it interesting that the head of the army, the front line of the army, wasn't swordsmen or archers or chariots. It was worshipers. Listen, thanksgiving is a weapon. It's our weapon against the enemy in times of peril. It's our weapon against discouragement in moments of sorrow. It's our weapon against hopelessness and trials. It's our weapon against worry in the midst of fear. Your praise is a weapon. And my heart is that we would be a church that knows how to wage war, not just with our words or with our hands, but with our worship, that our response to the attacks of the enemy would simply be toda. God, I thank you for winning our battles. God, I praise you for your victory, even though it hasn't even come yet. I know that you are faithful. And this is how the story ends. Verse 22, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. As they lifted up their thanksgiving, their todah, the enemies start wiping themselves out. They didn't even have to lift a finger. The enemies begin defeating themselves. And the victory was theirs. Listen, when you surrender your battle to God, when you're able to lift up your todah and say, thank you that this battle is not mine, but it's yours. God sets things up in a way where he makes the enemies turn on one another where all of a sudden things work themselves out, not by your effort or by by your hand, but by the will and the power of God. It's a powerful thing. Toda, thank you, God, before 
the fact, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. I know for Krista and I, as we were transitioning out of our last church and praying about 99, it was such a bittersweet season. It was sweet in the sense that, man, we're excited that God is birthing something new. And we knew that there were a few people that were coming with us. And we're so excited for this new God community, this new covenant community that God wanted to establish in the city. But there was also bitterness. There was a lot of fear. Like, can we really do this? Are we going to make it? There was worry. I'm not even sure how this is going to play out. I don't even know if I know how to be a lead pastor or a senior pastor. I don't know how we're going to do this. There was a lot of uncertainty. We don't even know what we're going to do to make a living. Like, we're not making any money right now. We're doing this just because we know that God's called us to. There are so many unknowns. There's also the sadness of mourning the loss of the other thing. And there are so many emotions raging within us. But I remember one of the most powerful things that we did in that season was even with the questions of the days to come, even with our doubts, with our worries, with our anxieties, with our fear about this new journey, we just began thanking God. God, thank you. Because even though we don't know what we're doing, even though we feel ill-equipped, even though we feel like we can't do this on our own, we know that this battle is not ours, it's yours. And so we thank you for this new church that at the time was nameless. We didn't even have a name. We didn't even know what it would be, but we started saying, thank you, God. Thank you for this church that you are birthing. I thank you. I don't even know what it looks like. I haven't even seen it, but thank you, God. And I look back now on that time And if only two years ago, ago, Mickey could have seen the church that would blossom, 99, that would emerge from that season, I think he would have have jumped up for joy. He would have had so much gratitude. But I think there's something powerful about the fact that even two years ago, even though I couldn't see it, I chose to posture myself in Toda. God, thank you before the fact. I think the beautiful thing about the kingdom is that oftentimes thanks comes before the reason for gratitude. Thanks comes before the victory. Thanks comes before the answered prayer. And there's something powerful about the kingdom when we activate that kind of faith that moves the heart of God. Listen, I don't know what kind of fight you're in today. I don't know what's coming against you from every side. I don't know what your battle is. I don't know what your unanswered prayers are or unfulfilled promises are. But hear the Lord saying, the battle is not yours. The battle is mine. And today, I want to challenge you with one one simple thing. And maybe it's not simple. Maybe it's hard for some of us. But I do feel like God is giving us the grace to exercise this one thing. My challenge to you today is this. Lift up your toda. What are the areas of your life where God hasn't moved yet? Where are the places where you're still waiting for breakthrough? What promises haven't been fulfilled? What prayers haven't been answered? Where are you filled with worry, anxiety, fear, and doubt, and pain, and struggle? Would you offer up your sacrifice of thanksgiving? Would you put before the altar your unanswered prayers, your unfulfilled breakthroughs? Would you put before the altar your worries, your anxieties, your fears? And would you give God an offering of thanksgiving, a sacrifice of thanksgiving, 
giving him thanks before the fact, before the miracle, before the breakthrough, before the answer, and trust that the battle is his. Right now, I want to take a moment to invite you into responding to God. Right now, I want to invite you into a moment of giving you space to lift up your own Todah. So right now, would you close your eyes with me? What is that area? What is that thing? What is that circumstance? What is that thing that you're holding on to that's filling you with so much worry and fear and anxiety? What is that area that's filling you with hopelessness and discouragement? What is the area where it feels like it's dead and there's no movement or life of God around it? What is that area? What is that thing? Right now, I want you to imagine that you are before the altar of God. And right now, would you take that thing And would you place it on that altar as your sacrifice of thanksgiving? And would you begin in your own way, in your own time with God, begin to lift up your todah? God, I've been out of work. I've been looking for jobs. And it still hasn't come yet. But still, right now, I thank you for the job that is to come. God, I'm looking at my family And for years and years, I've been praying, I've been fasting, I've been believing for you to mend the broken relationships and the dysfunction in my family. But God, you haven't been moving. I don't see it. But right now, I choose to give you a sacrifice of thanksgiving. I thank you that you are going to restore my family. God, I'm looking at our nation right now. There's racial inequality and injustice. God, there's, there's a, such a, a tense and toxic political atmosphere. God, it seems like our nation is broken beyond repair. And I've been praying and I've been, I've, been active, I've been actively walking to pursue justice and fighting to see a better nation, but I don't see it. Would you offer up your, your sacrifice of thanksgiving and saying, God, I thank you that this nation is in your hands. And that while I will still play my part, that I know that you have yours to play as well. And so I thank you before the fact. God, I thank you before the victory. I thank you before the breakthrough. Right now, just begin to lift up your sacrifice of thanksgiving, your Todah.